1: After the Apocalypse, A Pandemic Survival Story, Season 3, Episode 12, The Patrol. Mac dismounted his ATV like a cowboy, "'jumping off an energetic pony "'and examined Zane's abandoned mountain bike. "'The handlebars were bent. "'The sandy ground around the trail "'was scuffed up from activity. "'There was a confusion of animal tracks "'intermixed with footprints. "'Mac fumed. "'What the hell was going on here? "'If something happened to Zane,' Mac was going to kick somebody's ass. Get the bike, he ordered, motioning to one of the others, and looked around. It looked like something heavy had been dragged up the dirt road towards the zoo. The ground was dusty, and the scuff marks revealed darker soil underneath. If Mac was a tracker, he'd know the tracks were fresh. "'but he wasn't, and all he knew was how pissed off he was getting. "'This isn't good,' he thought. "'His mind raced. "'What are those old turds up to now?' "'He said out loud, dismissively, to no one in particular, "'like he was cursing the gods. "'Those useless relics, they were such a pain in the ass.' "'always making some sort of trouble. "'The Kaiju should have kicked the old fossils out. "'Instead, he gave them a refuge and took care of them like pets. "'Now this.' "'When Zane failed to check in, "'Mac organized a patrol to go and find him.' He took five good soldiers out on ATVs. He hated to tap the precious gas supplies, but it was the quickest way. Mac made sure that whatever they found, they would be ready. They equipped with pistols and a smattering of long guns. Now he was here, talking to himself and getting angry. Just let that dried-up bitch Marge or that hippie Phil give me some lip. He fantasized with tense satisfaction, slapping those smug, officious looks off their faces. The kaiju might not like it, but someone had to keep the buzzards in line until they could get the project completed. Someone had to take care of the team— "'Mac was the guy getting things done, moving the ball forward. "'Mac knew from his years on football teams "'that intensity and focus were what made the difference "'between getting on the field and riding the bench, "'between winning and losing. "'Come on, ladies!' Mac yelled over the noise of the idling motors. Let's get to the zoo and sort this out. He climbed back onto the ATV and kicked it viciously into gear. The gravel and sand rooster tailed out and sprayed off the trail into the woods. The brush shook under the assault and a murder of crows fled skyward in cawing protest. "'Janet, the old man, and their new acquaintance from the zoo, "'perched uncomfortably on old aluminum lawn chairs "'and feigned interest in a large cooking pot. "'The pot was steaming on a metal grill built into a set of cinder blocks. "'The blocks were carefully arranged to take the guesswork out of controlling the charcoal fire.' "'Their new acquaintance from the zoo, Roger, assured them "'the temperature control was essential to the process. "'The zoo!' "'The old man rolled that label around in his head. "'He didn't feel right calling this trailer park full of baby boomers. "'The zoo!' It sounded derogatory and insulting to the industrious survivors who lived here, but they used it themselves and didn't seem to mind. The whole situation was like something out of a Twilight Zone episode. He half expected a Rod Sterling voiceover to emanate from hidden speakers at any moment. Consider, if you will, the zoo, a place where the prior generation's workers and the leaders of an eclipse society have been cast out and filed away for safekeeping. It still didn't seem right. These were functional professionals that, God knows, would be useful in rebuilding a post-virus world. Most of them were university professors. Who better to lead a renaissance than these keepers of knowledge? And the thought that they were just waiting here to die. Which, despite their protestations to the contrary, it seemed to the old man they were. Really bad bothered him. He and Janet had been fighting tooth and nail like wild animals against the evil tide of the apocalypse, and here was a capable population of survivors doing what? Working on their tans, playing shuffleboard? It wasn't right. It was a colossal waste of talent. On the other hand, many of them were survivors from the college. Didn't that mean he would be able to at least find out what happened to Paul? He pictured in his mind that moment, the moment when he would find out— One of these survivors would say, with an unsympathetic finality, He's dead, old man. Just another corpse on the pile of bones. And that would be it. Hearing these words in his mind, the old man's logic tree worked through its process and like an exhausted train pulling into the station, settled into one final dark thought. This would be the end point, the end of his quest, the end of him. When this was done, he could rest. He would find Paul's bones. He would gather them up, "'and carry them with his own as an offering to the great pile of bones "'that was humanity's legacy. "'Janet looked at the old man and worried. "'He had become so dark and introspective. "'Could she still count on him if it came to a fight?' Phil had told them to go over Roger's cooking project, act like part of the community, and stay hidden in plain sight, while Phil and Margie dealt with the patrol that would likely be looking for Zane. They offered to disappear back into the woods. Truth be told, she didn't want to get trapped. But these people seemed familiar with the situation, and they were competent. After some hurried discussion, the old man and Janet reluctantly agreed this was the best strategy. Phil seemed to be getting some sort of sneaky kick out of hiding them, like some sort of stick-it-to-the-man man counterculture action. She hoped they could be trusted. Roger pushed up out of his lawn chair. The weathered nylon straps squeaked in protest. He lifted the lid off the steaming pot. The sweet smell of grains wafted in the air like wet grass tea. Bill rested at their feet... "'looking bored and sniffed the air. "'Tell us again why you're cooking grass here,' the old man asked. "'Not cooking?' "'Roger replied brusquely, "'Mashing!' "'Mashing?' Janet repeated. "'Yes,' replied Roger, distractedly, "'as he squinted at a cooking thermometer. "'Mashing grain!' "'Why?' the old man asked again. "'Mashing grains is the first step in making beer,' Roger continued, warming to his topic. "'Mashing the grain releases the sugar. Then, in the fermentation process, the yeast eats the sugar and poops alcohol.' He smiled at his joke. "'You're making beer?' Janet asked. I'm trying to. Roger shrugged, replacing the pot lid. We'll see. Why? Janet asked. Roger considered this question and said, Well, it's a hobby of mine. Keeps me busy. But in all seriousness, eventually the existing alcohol supply is going to run out. So... "'I thought I'd figure out how to make beer and spirits from the available wild grains. "'If you look at it historically, those who control the means of production of alcohol always have leverage.' "'Means of production?' the old man repeated. "'So, you're a Marxist revolutionary?' Roger looked confused.' "'No, I'm a biology professor. "'I taught microbiology and evolutionary zoology.' "'Jeez, professor, you're wasting your talent here. "'What are you doing, piddling around with homebrew? "'You could be helping rebuild the world,' the old man said, frustrated. "'They put us here to protect us,' Roger replied with resignation. "'They didn't want us getting in the way.' The old man scowled. and was about to lecture Roger on the indomitability of the human spirit when their conversation was interrupted by the sound of motors. The patrol was coming. Roger nodded at them. Just act normal. What the hell is normal about any of this? The old man thought. Mac pulled the brakes and skidded to a stop, exploding an angry cloud of dust in front of the park gates. Margie, Phil, and a small crowd of a dozen or so interested citizens gathered to greet them. Margie unlocked the gate. "'Good, you're here,' she said tersely before Mac could speak. "'We've got something for you,' she "'pulled the gate open to let them in. "'Mac stormed through the gap and confronted her. "'What the hell is going on? "'Where's Zane? "'What are you jerk-offs up to now?' "'Margie stared him down with a look "'one might give a troublesome grade-school child. "'Calm down, Mr. O'Neill.' "'Mac glared back. "'She continued calmly.' "'We have your colleague, Zane. "'He's hurt. "'He had an accident.' "'What kind of accident?' "'Mac demanded. "'Mac towered over Margie's small frame, "'and as he spoke, "'he moved his bulk into Margie's personal space. "'His eyes bulged and veins pulsed on his temples. "'She met his gaze and did not move.' A comical confrontation, as she was a full foot shorter and gave up over a hundred pounds to the big jock, like the small man with his grocery bag blocking the progress of a column of tanks in the square. Phil stepped forward and put his hand on Mac's big arm. "'Mac, kiddo!' ''Take it easy. We're on the same team here. We're trying to help.'' Mac shrugged off Phil's hand. ''Get your paws off me, Hippy. ''Boomers!'' At once the moment was broken. Everyone's attention turned to the disheveled man hurrying up the road towards the gate. It was Rabbit. ''Boomers!'' He chirped again. Mac started to laugh. "'Rabbit, you crazy old bastard, how you doing?' Phil smiled along with Mac. Margie didn't move. Mac turned back to them, his laugh gone, and his smile fading, and asked, "'Where's Zane?' "'As though on cue. "'George!' emerged from the community center, and rolled a semi-conscious Zane into the yard. Zane's arm and shoulder were tightly wrapped, and his head was bandaged. He was covered with a handmade patchwork quilt. "'What the hell happened?' Mac demanded, inspecting Zane. "'How bad is he hurt? Broken arm and a concussion?' "'Dr. Panajorgio replied, "'Can't really tell without an X-ray. "'I'll go back to the school with you. "'There's better equipment there.' "'Mac looked skeptical. "'Where did you find him?' "'Out there,' Phil gestured vaguely with his hand. "'He crashed. "'We've found him and fixed him up. "'Don't jostle him around too much, boys.' "'George added, "'Take it slow and easy until we get back to campus!' "'Rabbit, who was wandering around the gathered assembly, "'noticed Bill the dog lying obediently in the shade of the lawn chairs "'a couple trailers down. "'Doggy!' he shouted gleefully. Max' eyes turned to see what the fuss was about, "'following Rabbit's progress towards Bill,' "'Bill's big tail thumped the ground a couple times "'until the old man hissed a command, and Bill went silent. "'You got a dog now?' Mac asked. "'Phil looked momentarily nervous. Margie spoke up. "'Yes, this stray wandered in a couple of days ago. "'Shouldn't you start heading back to campus "'before you run out of sunlight?' Mac looked at her, he pushed George aside, grabbed the wheelchair handles, and began to move with Zane towards the ATVs. But then he had a feeling, not as much a feeling as a notion. Didn't he see animal tracks near Zane's crashed bike? He turned the chair and pushed it towards where Brabbit was rubbing the big dog behind the ears. he Gestured to his squad, Margie and Phil followed nervously. "'Who's your friend, Rabbit?' Mac asked suspiciously. "'Doggy!' Rabbit responded delightedly. Mac nodded to Professor Roger, who he remembered from the college. Mac had been a sports "'Fitness and Recreation Management Major. "'He remembered taking a pathogen science survey class "'from Dr. Roger. "'The old fart had given him a C-minus. "'That made Mac angry to think about, "'but also peevishly delighted "'that he was the one passing out the grades "'in the new order.' Mac looked at Janet and the old man. Not sure I know you two. Are you from the college? Yeah, the old man said, not making eye contact. I'm Professor Higgins from the phlebotomy department. This is Dr. Smith from Legal Services. Seems like you and the dog know Rabbit pretty well, Mac observed. Everybody knows Rabbit. The old man smiled back at him. Mac had to admit that this was true. It seemed like the moment of danger was about to pass, but then Zane started to regain consciousness. His head rolled and his eyes fluttered open. Mac leaned over. Z, welcome back to the real world. How you feeling? Zane struggled to focus, but recognition slowly stirred behind his gaze. Mac, what happened? I was riding. You crashed, Mac said. We're going to get you back and get you fixed up. You'll be good as new. Zane took a deep breath and his chest expanded underneath the quilt. He grimaced as the bandages pulled on his arm and chest. He looked around, trying to orient himself to where he was and what was happening. There was something about the woman in the chair that was familiar, even though she had a flowered hat pulled down to obscure most of her face. And that old man, and the dog that Rabbit was petting. "'It's them!' Zane blurted. "'What? Who?' Mac asked. Those two with the dog. I was tracking them. He attacked me, made me crash. Everyone's attention turned to the old man. He made to rise from the chair, but Mac moved a big hand, grabbed him by the neck, shoved him back down, and held him there. Bill stood and growled. Blibe, the old man commanded. "'Grab them!' Mac shouted. "'Janet sprung to her feet, "'knocking the lawn chair askew, "'but was faced with three of Mac's squad "'with the guns drawn. "'She raised her hands and nodded at Zane. "'Take it easy. "'We didn't do anything. "'We saved his life.' "'Now,' she thought, "'wasn't the right time to fight. "'Meanwhile,' Zane had lapsed back into semi-consciousness, gagged, hands zip-tied behind their backs, pillowcases over their heads like captured felons in some old bank robbery movie. The old man and Janet were jostled along on the ATVs as Mac and his crew slowly made their way home to the campus. Janet chased scenarios through her mind about how she was going to get them out of this, weighing each one and rehearsing the tactics. The old man wondered about his son. Would death come "'without knowing what happened to Paul. "'Was this to be their end, "'the end of the long journey? "'Had their streak of survivor luck run out? "'Had the fickle beneficence "'of whatever gods had kept them alive this long "'finally been exhausted? "'He was struck by the irony "'after all they had faced and overcome.' to be struck down in the end by some random college punks. Through the hood he smelled the organic odor of the earth, mixed with vapors of exhaust, recycled with his own hot breath. The sun was on his back. The motors ebbed and swelled as they ranged over the rolling hills. He was weary of this battle. His thoughts drifted to his family, his ex-wife as a young mother soulful of life and joy, the fine hairs on the nape of her neck, soft brown in a morning sunbeam, that flowered dress, the boys cuddled in their arms on the stuffed leather couch under a knit afghan on a rare beatific Saturday morning, Then the other image swam into his mind's eye Paul and the hate in his eyes the last time they'd met. The old man was tired, so tired. Maybe it finally was time to sleep.
0: Hello, my Survivor friends. For those playing along, it is the end of January 2023. When I first wrote this, I wrote 2022. I did that thing where you forget what year it is. Rolling its way into February like a beached whale caught in the surf, waiting helplessly for the scavengers of Scrimshaw and Ambergus to descend. Sorry, weird metaphors is how my brain works. Which is an interesting topic in itself that we should delve into sometime. Metaphors help in storytelling and scene painting because our brains are relational databases. That's how they're wired. Meaning they understand new things only in relation to existing experience. So if I can turn a clever comparison to something you already know... It creates the scene in your mind with instant connection, instant atmosphere. Instead of creating my own scene, I'm stealing one of your existing scenes from your database. But that was not what I wanted to talk about today. And I won't spend any more digital ink, or would that be digital audio radiation? I won't spend any more of it on the pending artificial intelligence apocalypse the digitization of the creative that's the topic du jour i see it everywhere it's having its moment it's 15 minutes currently everyone is focused on the creative digitization of prose and art but you know what else falls under the category of human creativity you know what else is being digitized humans that's right our DNA and what it does is now in the digital world. So we'll have to turn on our Rod Serling voice now. Imagine, if you will, a world where generative AI creates the perfect humans. Imagine a world where basic flaws and imperfections of the human form and mind no longer exist, where flawed humans like you and I are a threatened species behold the age of homo perfectus and the eradication of homo imperfectus and let us ask would homo perfectus still be human but that was not what i wanted to talk about today either i know i know My piddling production pace of a podcast every two weeks is not enough to satisfy your voracious appetites for content. One of the things we like to do as a community is to share other stuff we are consuming. I'm going to talk today about a couple of well produced podcasts that I have listened through, that I, for the most part, enjoyed. And I would be remiss not to note here that this is one of the common things that we share in our Facebook group is the what else are you listening to conversation. So I've got two podcasts for you today. Both are Both are excellent. They examine the same subject matter, but they come at this subject matter from slightly different angles, different attitudes. Both have professional production and lots of episodes for you to consume. The first is... You Must Remember This by Katrina Longworth. And the tagline is, Exploring the Secret and or Forgotten Histories of Hollywood's First Century. It's well-researched, well-written, well-produced. If you're a fan of Hollywood or movies in general, it's a good listen. And the second is a newer podcast from Turner Classic Movies by Ben Mankiewicz called, The Plot Thickens. And this show is also about Hollywood, but it comes at it from a different perspective, different angle. So allow me to compare and contrast, at least compare, because the way these two shows treat the subject matter is the very essence of the schizophrenic nature of Hollywood. So after listening to Katrina's show, or some of the episodes at least, you walk away feeling like Hollywood is just a cesspool of broken drunks and egomaniacs, a wasteland of destructive misogyny and power-slaked sociopaths. Especially in the more current seasons, it really feels like she has an axe to grind. But Mankiewicz, he's an industry insider. He's the commentator on TCM. If you've ever tuned in between movies, that's Ben talking about the movies and the stars. It runs in his blood. His grandfather was the, with a capital T H E, the Herman Mankiewicz from the Hollywood Blacklist Purges, who wrote Citizen Kane with Orson Welles. And so Ben is much more accepting of the Hollywood dark side. He acknowledges it, but he sort of shrugs it off in service of the greater prize of that Hollywood magic. And that's the challenge with Hollywood. Here you have a place that attracts the smartest, most driven, most beautiful humans on this planet and makes them compete for attention. And you sprinkle on top of this milieu of prodigies a staggering amount of money and attention and power and it comes to a full boil that produces the best we can be and the worst we can be. It's the contradiction of this evil place that eats its young with the same place that is the dream factory of the world. And let's all hope, let's say a small prayer, that after the apocalypse never gets discovered because I would be eaten alive in Hollywood. I'm smart enough, I'm creative enough, but I don't have that 24-7 killer instinct that all these folks seem to have. 100% all the time. I'm surprised any of them live past 50. Anyhow, those two shows, the plot thickens, and you must remember this, those two shows should keep you busy for a few weeks. If you like the movies and appreciate the creative struggle it takes to produce those stories in the dream factory of Hollywood. And remember, if you like what we are doing here, you can subscribe or buy me a coffee. And I would like to thank my old friend Gordon for buying me some coffee. Gordon, hey, Gordon, if you want a patch, shoot me a direct message. You got my email, and I'll send you a patch. All right? So here we go. New topic. Let's do a contest. I know. I know. I have a lot of creatives who listen to this show, so I have an idea. Let's call it a story contest. If you have written something you are proud of, I don't care what it is. It can be anything some sort of short story uh, fiction preferably you can do fan fiction after the apocalypse if you want don't care about the genre doesn't have to be apocalyptic but if it has a nice tight story arc let's say less than five thousand words send it on over to me and we'll edit it up and we'll pick someone Uh, we'll pick a couple one two or three of them and we'll get someone to professionally read these on the podcast don't be shy go ahead and we'll do this in between the uh, seasons when when we hit the season three break in a couple months. So don't be shy, give it a give it a swing. We'll do something, and this way you can claim, you can get a publishing credit. You can say published on blah 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 for your resume, your portfolio, your your your, <laughs> your CV, and I'll get some uh, some fun content and something to do, something to fill the dead air on the show. So DM me on Facebook or the website, or you can email me directly at cyktrussell at gmail.com. I hope you are all doing well. I truly appreciate your attention in this cluttered world where it feels like we are all cowering in a thunderstorm of information with the hail of unsolicited data banging incessantly against our collective tin roofs. Yeah, see what I did there? In roof rusted. Don't keep your heads down, my friends. Stand up. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And keep surviving. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.